Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Legends of the Batman. My name is Michael Bradley. And I'm Michael Kaiser. This episode, we are beginning our coverage of all things Batman from December 1940. It seems there were two issues of Detective Comics for kids to enjoy that month, so we'll be splitting the month over two episodes. But this time, we are looking at Detective Comics number 47. That just seems odd. But I, I guess it was just released at the beginning and the end of the month. Yeah, could be. Um, there was there was a month a while back when Action Comics had two issues. That yeah, month. I remember that because I think both you and John Wilson were having <laughs> problems with that idea. But yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, and then there's a detective next month too, though. In January, yes. In January, yeah. Yeah, it's monthly from – well, it's a monthly book. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's two uh, issues any more months, though, okay. that I can remember, but hmm. it's been yes. a while since I put together that list. So Yeah. Uh, well, we've got no emails or, or website feedback or iTunes reviews this time, so we are just going to jump right into the story. Uh, like I said, it's Detective Comics number 47, which had a January 1941 cover date and was released around December 3rd, 1940, for $0.10. Our cover is by Bob Kane and Jerry Robinson, and it shows Robin swinging across the cover and knocking two crooks out while the giant head of Batman smiles and watches from the foreground. These are all kind of starting to blend together, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're not really bad. There's just nothing remarkable about them Uh at this time, so I really don't have too many comments, but... I like Batman's proud papa face, though. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but our Batman story inside was back to 13 pages this issue. Woohoo. And it, it didn't have a title originally, but has since been called Money Can't Buy Happiness. It was written by Bill Finger, penciled by Bob Kane, inked by Jerry Robinson, George Rousseau, and according to the Chronicles volume, Bob Kane also did some inking on the story. And lettered by George Rousseau and edited by Whitney Ellsworth. All the world knows of the Batman. He is a creation of the night, elusive as a smear of smoke, dangerous as a striking panther. It is he and his daring young aide, Robin, the boy wonder, who, by their wits and thundering fists, wage unceasing war against crime and bring justice where it has never been before. After a night of crime-busting, the Batman makes his way home and is told by Dick Grayson that that his banker, Harvey Midas, wants to see him for an annual report on Bruce Wayne's holdings. The next day, Bruce visits Midas' office, but their meeting is interrupted by Midas' son, Roger, who wants to attend a football game with his dad. Midas blows him off, choosing to focus on work, much to Roger's chagrin. After Roger leaves, Midas comments he wishes he could spend more time with Roger, but business comes before pleasure. That night, the Batman heads out to learn more about Midas' family. Lurking outside their house like some creepy stalker, the Batman overhears Mrs. Midas refuse to go to a tea party with their daughter Diane. She then forbids Diane from seeing Johnny Brown because he's a mere bank clerk and not worthy of their high-class social status. Over the next many nights, Bruce, again like a creepy stalker, follows Roger to nightclubs, bars, and gambling establishments. After hearing him join the band at one of the nightclubs, Bruce compliments him on his playing. 
While drinking heavily, Roger says it's his dream to lead his own orchestra, but that his father will not allow it. Soon, Diane has her social coming out party and is soon strong-armed into getting married to a defunct European count by the name of Alexis, who is clearly only after Diane's money. Over the ensuing months, Roger is constantly palling around with gamblers. One night, as a very drunk Roger and his friends are leaving for a night on the town, they are spooked by the Batman, which causes Roger to lose control of the car and hit a newsboy. Roger wants to take him to the hospital, but, but his cohorts talk him out of it, saying he'll be arrested. Later, Roger returns home and tells his father the men want $5,000, or they'll tell the papers what happened. They are interrupted by Batman, who says Roger needs to take his punishment, or the men will blackmail him forever. Midas tells the Batman to let them solve their own problems, and after some terse words, the Batman leaves. Meanwhile, Robin is downstairs and hears Diane tell Alexis that she's filing for divorce and going to Reno. After Diane leaves, Alexis says he'll be left with nothing, and that he'll have to do with Diane what he did with his first wife. Robin then trails Alexis as he meets with two hoods who plan on killing Diane the next night. Robin reports back to the Batman that the killers will strike at 8, and the Batman says Midas is going to pay off the blackmailers at 10, which will mean a busy night for the dynamic duo. The next night, the Batman and Robin show up at Midas' home, easily taking out Alexis and his thugs. When Midas and his wife are roused by the commotion, the Batman explains what happened and forces one of the thugs to corroborate his story. He then tries again to talk Midas out of paying the blackmailers, but Midas again tells the Batman just to mind his own business. A little later, the Batman and Robin follow Midas to the drop point. Well, I say follow, but they're really just laying on top of the car in a totally non-stealthy manner. <laughs> but anyway, as Midas is about to pay off the blackmailers, the totally awesome Batman smashes through the door and clocks one of the thugs with an uppercut. Robin takes out another, and the two remaining thugs make a run for it, but not before one of them shoots Roger in the stomach, just because. Robin trails one of the thugs, finally catching up to him with an awesome but physics-busting swing across the rooftops, and takes him out with a kick to the head. Meanwhile, the Batman trails the other thugs. He dodges gunfire and then leaps from a fire escape into the thug's moving car. With a stiff right hook, the Batman knocks the thug out and then jumps from the moving car before it hits a pole. With the bad guys done for, the Batman speeds Roger to a doctor. Midas says he'll pay whatever it takes, but the doctor says that no amount of money will save him. Roger's life is in greater hands than his. Shortly, Midas confesses to the Batman that he's learned his lesson that money can't buy everything. And after an anxious few minutes, the doctor comes from the operating room and says that it's a miracle. Roger will live. A month later, Roger goes before a judge to answer for his hit and run on the newsboy. The newsboy's parents say they want to drop the charges because Roger paid for an operation to heal the boy and also established a college fund. Roger tells the judge he knows that money can't atone for his crime and is willing to take his punishment. But the judge says the important thing is that he's learned his lesson and dismisses the case. Later, Bruce pays Midas a visit for a financial statement, but Midas tells him it will have to wait because he's going to a football game with his son. Roger also invites Bruce to come listen to him on the air that night with his new band. And Bruce also overhears Mrs. Midas telling Diane to hurry because they can't keep Johnny Brown waiting. Back at home, Bruce and Dick talk about how the Midases have learned that money can't buy happiness, and Bruce says he hopes other parents will learn from the story too. The end. 
this is where I usually say yay, but I I think I'll say yay instead. <laughs> yeah. Just to, yeah, it's uh, kind of heavy on the preaching. Uh, yeah. But, you know, kind of like with the covers, these splash pages, I just keep saying they're great, but, um, again, they're all kind of the same, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, and this, this applies really over to the next page, too. I kind of feel like the opening of this of these stories are starting to be the same thing. I mean, Batman beats up some thugs for a page or two, and then we launch into the story, which often is completely unconnected from the opening. You know, this one and the one from the last episode we looked at, we had thugs looting a warehouse, and now they're looting or holding up a truck. So. Last episode, he at least encountered that kid who was right. who gave him information on what was going down, right? Which ended up actually just hurting him more than anything, but. This one, kind of like your summary suggested, the first one, two, three, three pages, Mm -hmm. you can just skip right over. (laughs) Right. And Uh, I pretty much did in my synopsis. I mean, it's a great opening to the story. It's just kind of repetitive. It's it's completely unconnected, too. I mean... Yeah. Nothing about these thugs that he's taking out here have anything to do with the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, I I don't necessarily mind that. I was just going to say, that said, these first three pages are probably my favorite parts of this story. So yeah. It is a little surprising they would do that in this era when they've only got 13 pages to tell a story. Yeah, especially this one, which is very complicated, and it seemed like you know the last couple pages are really cramming in the panels to get as much <laughs> information to you as they can. Yeah, I sat down to do my synopsis, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be a breeze, because I you know, skipped through the first three pages in about a sentence and a half. And then I ended up with a longer synopsis than I think I've ever had for a story. Oh, yeah. It, there's lots of, you know, comings and goings in this one. But, again, not the first three pages, so that's weird. But uh, uh, One more comment about this splash page, though. The building in the background says Rousseau on it. It does, doesn't it? Wow. I never catch that stuff. And Knox Furs. You know who Knox is, don't you? Me neither. Uh <laughs> There was a Knox in that story, or was he the bad guy? We just had a story with a Knox in it. Did we? Yeah. Hmm. I, when I saw that in the previous story, I um, it made me think of Alexander Knox from the Batman movie. Oh. Get him a grant. <laughs> and I can't find it. Anyway, oh. it's not a big deal. We can move on. But uh, I do think... Even though they are kind of all blending together, I do like how the Splash Rangers are getting more and more um, background love. I think mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about that a little before, but this one, you know, they got the buildings and they got he's on a truck and, um, you know, there's light posts and stuff. And I'm starting to wonder if that's like more the the anchors filling in on that. Could be. You know, because they always credit George Russo as like background. And I don't know if that means just background inking or if that means he's actually putting in pencil work too or – or what's or what that means, but they're taking the time when they're not drawing Batman's symbol to draw backgrounds. <laughs> well, then they have tons of time. To draw. <laughs> uh, I also love how Batman takes out five dudes with one move, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, when uh, you're strong enough to pick a guy up over your head while standing on top of a truck, yep, you can do that. And then he throws them into the other four guys, and they're uh-huh. all all unconscious. So that must have been really good. Um, He's kind of cocky on the top of page two, though, isn't he? Au revoir, gentlemen. I trust I'm not intruded. Yeah, really. And he uh, 
takes off when he hears the police, so he's still not completely upstanding. Right. Um, I love all, I just, I mean, as much as we just knocked it, I really do love these pages. Uh, mm-hmm. Except when he speaks. Like, yeah, he needs to stop calling himself Papa. That's yeah, me out a little bit. For sure. I mean, this is like a really cool silhouette panel of him jumping from a rooftop to a, you know, a stairwell ladder. And it would have been great just like that, but they had to throw in, right. come, come to Papa. I'm telling you, Batman's better when he doesn't talk. Who's he talking to? The stairs? <laughs> come to Papa. Um, yeah. And then this last panel on this page, uh, two here, a great perspective shot. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Spider-Man looking. And it actually looks like a big city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More so than usual. Uh, moving on to page three. I liked seeing the barn and the tunnel again. Oh yeah. That's great. Great continuity, uh, nod. Have, I know we've seen them both before, but have we seen both of them together like this before? Were were we introduced to both of them in the same story? Meaning, which parts? What are you talking about? The barn and the tunnel. Um, no, we haven't. I okay. think I think we've seen that barn. Did we see the barn ever? Yes. We did. When he was yeah, housing. because we were we were debating if it was on Wayne's property or if it was just a barn out in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's because the description said they run down this tunnel that leads to. Oh no no no! That's because. You're right. That was when he was housing the Batplane, right? Could be. I don't know that it showed the barn, but it did say something You're like... You're so bad at this. It did say something like the barn was housing the Bat... And a seemingly abandoned barn houses the Batplane. Um, and then later we did see the tunnel, but it never showed where they came out of. Okay. Um, so this one shows both, although it doesn't show the Batplane in the tunnel. I mean, in the uh, barn. Right. And we were speculating how close it was to Wayne Manor, and I don't know if we have an answer other than this first panel. You see like a house off in the distance, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that's supposed to be Wayne Manor or just somebody else's house. Okay, I, not to go backwards, but I just looked up the tunnel. We saw that in the Ugliest Man storyline. Correct, right, right. And I'm looking for the barn. The barn, I think, was referenced in the last Joker story. Well, I could be wrong about that. No, it was um, it was Batman. The first story in Batman number three, the Puppet Master story. Okay. They showed a a panel of them running down the tunnel, and then in a description on the next panel is them jumping into the plane, and it says in the caption that this is located in a deserted barn, or the tunnel leads to a deserted, a seemingly abandoned barn. Okay, so we haven't actually seen the barn then. No, because they didn't bother to draw. Okay. The barn in the panel, but yeah. But I it guess. was. But it was established that it was connected connected to the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think it, in that episode we were wondering like how far away is it like on Wayne property or is it somebody else's property or what? And they still don't really specify. But I would think it would have to be fairly close if they're walking there from the yeah, house. True, true. Unless he, you know, he could do that minute mile. But yeah. Right. Um. And again, the first panel, there is a house in the background, but I don't know if that's supposed to be just a random house or... Yeah. Um, but it's great. I love all that. It's just very moody, and I love that there's like this push button to act- activate a secret floor, <laughs> yeah. as, as opposed to just being a stair with a sign that says, you know, to Wayne Manor or whatever. Yes. Um, although, I was thinking that the secret button would be pointless if if someone went inside that barn and saw a bat plane. You're still kind of... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, giving it away, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but at least they wouldn't find where yeah. the barn connects to. That's true. Um, That's more important, probably. I got to wondering how the tunnel got there. I mean, assuming it is on Wayne property, mm-hmm. you know, people would probably notice if they saw, you know, backhoes and and all this stuff digging a tunnel from the house to the barn. Yeah, you always got to wonder that stuff. Like, uh, maybe that's how he can lift up guys because he dug it by hand. <laughs> uh, I, I wondered if there wasn't like a, maybe a slave connection. You know, uh-huh. maybe – I don't think it's ever been established, but you know that could explain it. Either a passageway for slaves to get around the property or uh, Thomas Wayne or, or a former ancestor, mm-hmm. or former occupant you know, put the tunnel in to help slaves escape. Well, I don't know. they said that in Batman Begins for the Batcave. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, maybe that's where I got it from. And um, it seems like that movie has taken everything that it exists for from a comic book. So maybe they got it from a comic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good idea. I like it. Especially a tunnel. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer. Right. So anyway, yeah, all this great moody, shadowy goodness of him getting back home. And then he pops into the door and says, hiya, Dickie. And just, ah. Oh. <laughs> Hiya, Dicky, my lad. Yeah, just to make it worse. <sighs> yeah, they they always do these big, moody, awesome sequences, and then they uh, totally undercut it with something totally cornball like that. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that no one comes for a surprise visit when Dick's home alone, and <laughs> you know, if, if he's just gonna pop out of this this secret passageway, fully dressed as Batman, and saying, "Hiya, Dicky, my lad." That could prove rather awkward if, if yeah. there. He and his friends are playing spin the bottle and <laughs> Batman comes popping in. Uh, coolest house ever. Uh, uh, but then we actually, after all that, get to the story. Right. Again, I'm not slamming that though because I loved seeing that tunnel again and yeah. getting more information about it, even if it was just a little bit more information. But Like you uh, said, it's, it's my favorite part of the story. Yeah. I mean, Pretty much. Um, but anyway, we go, we get back to Bruce Wayne, so it's cool to see Bruce again. Right. Um, and he has, he has a, a banker named Midas, Harvey Midas. <laughs> so, Real subtle there. Yeah, that, that resume just wrote itself, didn't it? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It's like naming your kid Dr. Evil. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, but this panel when he's leaving the house, he's just strutting along. You can almost hear "Walking on Sunshine" playing behind him. Yeah, and he says that he plays polo, or right. at least that it's a nice day for polo. So interesting. Uh, I say that all the time when I leave. It's a nice day for polo. I'm gonna start saying that. So that's cool. <laughs> I stay for a bit of polo. Uh, you also notice there's a church in the background. Oh so I, wow! I wonder, I wonder if his crusade to Get more churches and and uh, YMCA's built is is working. Yeah, that's probably the Wayne Church or something. Yeah. Uh, but then we actually meet Harvey Midas, mm-hmm. and it says that he th- they've established that Bruce is wealthy, but they haven't really talked much more about it other than that he built he bought that building in the uh, uh-huh. crime school story. But here we learn he have he has a banker and enough holdings to require an annual report. I guess you don't have to be Daddy Warbucks to have a banker or holdings, but... Well, we knew he was a millionaire. Because I think, like, 
first issue or one of the earlier issues, we talked about how he's a millionaire in the golden age instead of a billionaire. Oh, okay. So he's a millionaire in 1940 has got to be enough money to require somebody to help you, I would think. But okay, well, ignore everything I just said then. <laughs> but multimillionaire, that's yeah. Although, well, I think that multimillionaire comment was. I, I, it's weird. I don't know if that's. It says he's a multimillionaire banker, so I don't know if that's oh. a banker for multimillionaires or a banker who is a multimillionaire. I wasn't sure about that either. Um, either way, nope. he's he's apparently rich. This guy. So. Oh yeah, he's yeah. But if you are a banker for multimillionaires, I'd assume you'd also be rich. But I don't really know how that works. So. Yeah. I'm just a thousandaire. <laughs> Twenty year. Um, uh, so what do you think about Bruce uh, taking on this problem I hate it um, it's fairly ridiculous that uh, that he's he overhears a father and son have a little awkward moment and decides he needs to investigate yeah I mean crime there's just not enough crime in the city these days he's got nothing else to do I mean well there, there's no criminals on the loose or you know. yeah Cat burglars, cat burglars, or anything. Well, there were five, but he took them out in the first panel. So <laughs> uh, he's a little hard on this uh, Midas, though. He says, uh, "You know, Midas says business before pleasure," and, and Bruce says, or, or thinks, I guess, perhaps, but I wouldn't let it interfere with the comradeship of my own son. It's like, well, gee, Bruce, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being a wastrel playboy who can just spend time with their kids by sticking them in tights and fighting crime so yeah really back off you think he's got a, a touchy side when it comes to father-son relationships or <laughs> it could be yeah or something i don't know it just this just seemed like he's just buttoning his business and button into you know business he does not belong doesn't yeah. belong snooping around for um that's why i call him a creepy stalker because he doesn't know there's a pro like a an actual crime problem until much later no thank god all these things turned out to be a horrible crime problem so that this is all justified, you know, in hindsight, but, but right now this is just nothing. There's no reason for him to be awesomely hanging outside that window, which by the way, great panel, but. Oh, the one where he's climbing up the side of the building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Excellent. But uh, also incredibly creepy. <laughs> uh, so the Midas's Butler is named Jupkins. Which I thought, well, that's kind of a weird name, but I Googled it, and apparently it is a surname, kind of an English uh, origin surname. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, that's all right. But then they introduce uh, Diane's boyfriend, Johnny Brown, which is about as bland as you can get. Uh-huh. So we have this very weird but interesting name for the butler, but then you might as well call him well, Bill Smith. That's why they don't want her to date him. <laughs> you can't date a brown. How boring. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah, they're just layering it on too. It's not just it can't just be a bet a son problem. It has to be a daughter problem too. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And even still, at this moment, okay, we don't want you to marry your boyfriend. We want you to marry someone with better class or whatever. And they're multimillionaires, so that's probably a common theme. Um, still not a reason for Batman to continue his investigation. But no. of course, of course, he does. By stalking the kid. Right. right. <laughs> for, for an entire page. Yes, he does this for days and no one notices. When they yeah. just established one page earlier that uh, Roger knows who Bruce is and, and mm -hmm. he doesn't notice that 
Bruce just happens to be everywhere he's showing up. Either that, or there's only there's only so many well-to-do places, you know, to go or something, and it's not unusual for Bruce to be at all of them. I don't know, but yeah, it is a little odd. And he's smoking cigarettes now instead of cigars or uh, Pipe. uh, pipes. Yeah. Oh, well, he's got a pipe later in the issue. Oh, okay. It depends on what martini he's drinking. Yeah, I guess. See, now it's starting to get to where it's okay for me because now it's like, all right, he sees these kids hanging out with bad people and he's 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 racking up a debt, you know. Right. So now you can keep going. But up until this point, there's no reason why you should have been following him. But whatever. I, I, I don't know. An unwise use of money isn't really a, a job for Batman either, I don't think. True, but he um, – yeah, that's right. He doesn't even it doesn't even show him hanging out with bad people, does it? Not until later. Okay. So yeah, still no good. Although I guess unwise or you know, gambling to the point where you get over your head and you're a family friend of the Waynes, maybe I could see him putting his nose in that. Um Yeah, well yeah, maybe. But it's still pretty loose. There's this panel where they where they're hanging out and uh Roger says, uh Oh, you never knew. Is that his name, Roger? Yeah, Roger. Yeah. You never knew I wanted to lead my own orchestra, did you? And he says that like, you know, Bruce would have any idea. You right. Know? So that makes me feel like the Bruce and the Midas family are a lot closer than they've let on just because Roger just has this conversation like he should know all about his musical ambition, you know? Yeah, that or he was a little drunk and a little more willing to, you know, ramble yeah. on about problems. Yeah. So that was that was my attempt at justifying his ah okay his, his invasion of privacy. You like this is a family he's really close to, but I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, that's the only indication, really. Right. Uh, panel. And panel by the six. By the way, the fact that he doesn't know his musical ambition and doesn't know that they're trying to marry his sister off to some <laughs> you know some baron and. And doesn't know that he has a bad relationship with his father suggests to me that he doesn't know much about this family. So Right. Yeah. Uh panel six, we have a reference to Jerry Robinson. The the society column is written by Jerry Robinson. Really? God, see, I don't catch any of those. That's funny. Uh, now, while we're on this panel, I am not rich. You know, I not rich. But I know that fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money today. Mm-hmm. Even not taking into account that these were written in 1940, <laughs> so $50,000 for a coming out party—that's that's crazy. That's, that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that TV show that they used to have. They probably still have about those crazy Sweet Sixteen parties. That uh, these rich people were, you know, just with like ponies and chariots, and you know, <laughs> that's that's the equivalent, I guess. I don't I know. I guess so. Uh, so clearly, this banker is a multimillionaire. Definitely, if yeah. If he's just throwing well, that if around. He can, if he can blow $50,000 on a party, then yes. And he's attracting a, a a a defunct European count. Who looks like Duke Dorter. Oh, God. Sort I hope of. it's not him. Yeah. Whatever happened to that guy? Did he die? He died in that story, yeah. Okay, thank God. Um, Yeah, so obviously they have money because otherwise this Duke would have nothing to do with her. I'm not really sure how marrying a defunct deadbeat European count <laughs> Is a is a good social move for them, but yeah, yeah. If he's defunct and you know he doesn't have money either, just like poor old Johnny Brown. 
Yeah, it's kind of weird. But maybe just the fact that he has a title. But defunct title, that's bad, right? right. Yeah, I don't know. I would think so. Us Americans don't understand how all that works, so. If we have any uh, European counts as listeners, they can write in and tell us. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we get to the worst page of the story. And I being worse is in just hard to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, where the kid, Roger, here here's where he's hanging out with the nefarious guys. Uh, page six of the story? Page six, yeah. It shows that he's hanging out with other evil companions, gamblers. Um, so Batman shows up and he says, hey, don't hang out with those guys. <laughs> And Roger says, oh, God, let's get out of here. Or they say, let's get out of here. And Roger takes off, and he hits poor little, uh, what's his name, Danny Moore. Danny Moore, yeah. The newspaper guy. So, one, it's really hard to see this car hit this poor kid and just leave him there. But I guess that's the point. Yeah. But two, what happened to Batman? What do you mean what happened to Batman? He was just there. He was just standing there watching them. And they drove away, and he watched them drive away, and then he did not see them hit this kid and do anything about it? They just, or did they like round the corner and he didn't follow or what? You're right. He just disappears. He just disappears. And there's no indication that they, it says as the car darts forward, the tipsy boy is unable to control the wheel. So they weren't very far away. It didn't seem like. No, it seemed like he, he, (laughs) it seemed like he hit the kid because he got startled by Batman. Yeah. That's how I wrote in my synopsis. Yeah. So how come Batman didn't swing down and save the kid or at least swing down and, you know, give him CPR or rush him to the hospital or something. Where is he? Just took off? Maybe he did, and we just didn't see it. Eh, maybe. I mean, maybe he maybe he couldn't save him, but he took him to the hospital afterwards. I guess. Because the newspaper report we see, which is in the Daily Bugle, by the way, <laughs> uh, it says, Newsboy crippled by speeding car, hit-and-run driver speeds from scene of crime. And then those little slash marks is where it says Batman arrives on scene. And- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God! So Nick, note to self, Batman, or note to Batman, maybe don't startle drunk <laughs> teenage boys who are evil uh-huh. in a car. But whatever. Um, oh, but also on that page, they—this is just my my uh, um, ignorance—but they refer to it as a hit and run. Yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought that would be a more modern term, and I don't know why that is. But yeah, it's not. Huh. It's been around since cars. People have been hitting and running. So how sad. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Page seven. I mean, I, I realize that it's not the point, but I think if you can afford $50,000 for a coming out party for your daughter, you can pony up $5,000 for black man. Uh, I, mean, I, know it's not the, I know it's not the point, but. Is he? I thought he was going to do that. No? He was. Yeah. Yeah. But. He's being at, a at jerk first, about he seems it. a little. At first, he he seems a little hesitant. Yeah. Um, and Batman's right though. You give them five, they're just going to ask for more and more and more. Right. And more, oh so. yeah. Um, I love that Midas has no idea who Batman is. <laughs> what? Who are you? Well, Mister Batman, I'll do as I see fit. Please mind your own business and get out of my house. I do like that. I mean, because uh, there's really nothing Batman can do about it at that point, but. Right, yeah. I got a definite Zorro vibe from Batman in that panel as he kind of does a little bow. Mm-hmm. The Batman, at your service. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, let's see. It's a good thing that, meanwhile, across town, it turns out that that Alex's new Alex's Alex. Wow, Alexis's. Alexis, yeah. Alexis's new defunct Baron husband is a killer. Because <laughs> otherwise, sending Robin to go spy on them on their honeymoon is pretty evil. <laughs> They're just downstairs. Oh. But still, I don't know. More reasons why they shouldn't be watching, but right now we're finally getting reasons why they should, I guess. And not only is he a defunct count, but he's also a divorced or a widowed defunct mm-hmm. count. So that's just right. – you're really climbing the social ladder there. Uh, I, I like how she says she's going to Reno, though. It's very random. <laughs> hey, why not? <laughs> I'm leaving for Reno in the morning. Okay. You yeah. do that. Yeah. Not a whole lot to say about page eight. I do like that shadow. They're really good at the shadows. Mm-hmm. On panel three here where Batman surprises the count or the the not count. The defunct count. The defunct count, yeah. Uh, and Batman, after he knocks the count out, he says, looks like the count is down for the count. Ha-ha. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, thanks. That's a good one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just standard. Hi-ya, let's get him. Yeah. Uh, Awkward. Awkward positioning of Batman in several panels, which actually leads to my next note on page nine. The first panel here, this is a much better way to show Batman punching a guy compared to panel four on the previous page. Uh, where his like head disappears in his armpit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, he looks a lot better. Uh, we see... That's actually a cool panel, uh, a cool yeah. uh, action pose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robin Sling makes a return, mm-hmm. which is cool. Nice iconic shot of Robin. I thought it was a good idea leaving one of the crooks conscious enough to corroborate Batman's story because, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and see your son-in-law and a couple of friends unconscious in the living room with Batman standing there. Who are you going to believe? Yeah, especially if you don't know who Batman is. Right. And in this era where <laughs> in this era where Batman kind of toes the line between the public's hero and the more mysterious vigilante that the yeah. police are always chasing after. You know, that moon is always in just the right place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How funny. I was like, I was initially thinking that was some sort of artwork on the wall, but I realized it's the door is open and there's, it's perfect. The door frame is perfectly framing the moon or something. Anyway. It's like when you're in Paris, you can always see the Eiffel Tower. And when you're Batman, you can always be silhouetted by the moon. Yeah. I love this last panel where Batman's lecturing Midas. You're a stubborn old fool who thinks money will cure everything. Yeah. I love it. Uh, page 10. What is with Batman and Robin just uh, hanging out on top of the car? Did no, one, did no one notice them there when they got out of the car and walked into that the building? No, he's – think orange, chum. Think orange. Quick. They're coming. <laughs> Chameleon. Yeah, that's that's not the best hiding place. It's not even in the top ten. No, it's really no bad. Places. It's really bad. At least hang out on the bumper or something. Um, I could just I just picture them all like standing around looking, and the two of them with their head buried, going, "Do you think they see us?" <laughs> uh, but, um, they they walk inside and start to pay the blackmail money, and he says. Here it is in fives and tens, as you requested. So they're going to pay five thousand dollars in fives and tens. 
That's a lot. Satchel. I didn't even notice that. Oh my god, that's that's like a thousand. If you paid in tens, that would be a thousand bills. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, no, close to it. But anyway, this door breaking scene panel bugged me because really, yeah, I know it looks cool, but uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about it from a physics point of view and granted i've never taken physics but like like it seems to me the weak part of a door is is you know the the doorknob or the hinge or or whatever so just to bust straight through the middle yeah you got a point there it's just kind of but either it's a really old rickety termite ridden door or or it would have been cool i mean that's like a superman move you know yeah, that's probably why I liked it so much, because you see Superman busting through doors. and Yeah, you know, so much. Bat- Batman should be more like of a door kicker opener kind of guy, you know? <laughs> door kicker opener? Yeah. yeah. I-, I liked how the one board was flying up and smacking the guy in the face, though. Yeah, that is very cool. Uh, but moving ahead to panel five, Batman punches the guy, and he says, Gunplay always did bother me. Yeah, except for those times when you used to carry a gun. <laughs> right. That reminds me, though, I was reading some website, and they're talking about how, oh, Batman used to, did you know that Batman used to, you know, kill people with a gun or whatever? And I was thinking, did he actually ever shoot a person with those guns, or was he always, wasn't he just using them to shoot things? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty kill-happy. Oh, yeah. He had a gun, but I don't think he ever actually shot anybody with the gun. No, he'd always shoot, like, a helium tank or something. He did shoot the... uh vampire werewolf hybrids that's true but they're not people yeah yeah Yeah. anyway uh page 11 if you know we we see this thug this random joe thug jumping from one roof to the another and i think if he can do it then batman is less a lot less cool when he does it yes i totally agree um that's why i kind of hate it when anybody in DC or even Marvel or whatever, but especially DC when they decide, oh, I've taken some karate lessons. <laughs> I'm going to get on out there. Yeah. Um, it just totally, yeah, makes Batman way less awesome. But Like they did with Robin in these stories? Um, well, they trained Robin for six months in some montage thing, so that was okay. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's a good and, point. And he is a circus performer. Right. But like say, um, well, I don't want to call out any particular characters because some people might like them. But there are some Batman-related, Batman family characters that bother me just because they should be dead. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. We'll get to them someday. But speaking of jumping from rooftop to rooftop, this whole Robin using the lasso or his silken rope to – it doesn't make any – <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like it's a complete physics fail. Yeah, because the the roof he's jumping onto is lower than the one he's on, mm-hmm. and he throws his rope down, lassos the pole, and then somehow swings down and over and catches up to the guy, which none of which is physically possible. Really, he should have smacked into the side of the building. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at it, like the first panel where he's starting, it's really far away, the length of the rope. And then by the last panel where he's finishing, the rope is really, really short and like right next to him in the pole. So it's like he was doing hand over fist all the way down or something. 
It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, and also, it just seems like if the guy could leap over, why can't Robin just leap over? That seems easier. Yeah, I, I thought about that tool too, and I thought, well, maybe it's just more dynamic to have him throw the rope, but yeah, not when it doesn't work at all. I would have just jumped over and then used the rope to lasso him. Maybe that would have been better. But yeah. Anyway, that's just nitpicky, I guess. But um, page twelve, we. Batman actually gets shot at, and it says that the bullet fans his cheek. So mm. I don't know if that was just being, uh, you know, just hyper uh, hyperbole, or if they actually meant for him to be grazed by the bullet there. But I found it interesting either way. Yeah, it was a good description. I assumed it was meant like he could feel the air of the bullet or something. But that could be, yeah. But then he jumps into a moving car, which is totally awesome. With very cool uh, perspective shot. Yeah. From Kane, who usually can't do that sort of thing. But it's a nice bird's eye shot of him leaping down into the side, inside of the car. So Yeah. It makes me wonder if maybe one of the other artists did some of the more heavy lifting on some parts of this story. Because there is some of the awkward Bob Kane anatomy and perspective. But we, then we have panels like this where cause we've never seen anything like this from Bob Kane in any no. of the stories we looked at. I mean, look at I just noticed. Look at You could even see like Batman's you know, silhouette on the floor there, like his pointy ears, mm-hmm. you know, creeping up on the guy. It's really cool. Uh, 13. Uh, yeah. I, I thought this was a much better ending to the story than we've had in a, in a majority of them. This, Cause this one doesn't feel like finger was fumbling around for half a page. Oh, trying no. to figure out what to do once the case was solved. Yeah. He wrapped up everything nice and everything he needed was taken care of. I mean, it, it was very busy, I guess. Yeah. He did cram a lot onto that last page. I mean, we got three different problems all solved in eight, nine panels, I guess, eight panels. But, you know, they don't really draw things out in these stories anyway, so. No. I felt like Roger got off a little light, but, you know, what are you going to do in the story with him getting life or something? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The panel at the end was kind of heavy-handed, too, and a little odd, given that it seems that they're talking to the parents there when it was mostly kids reading the books at this point, but yeah, they did that with the, with the crime school for boys too. They're telling kids to go to, you know, take your kids to church and stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, who are you talking to? Are they thinking like the kids are going to go home and say, look, mom, Batman's telling you (laughs) that I need to go to church. It is interesting. Batman says you need to play ball with me. Yeah. he, He seems to be more oriented towards, lecturing the audience now than he mm-hmm. used to be yeah uh, but I, I didn't mind it I mean it was just one panel and you're done and you know not like some stories where they would spend three panels extolling the virtues of yeah. spending time with your kids so um, but I thought it was an okay overall an okay story just not really my favorite no it got better as you went along I actually I, like by the end I really liked it I liked how he's lecturing Midas and you know, I didn't have a problem with any of that. I mostly despised the reason he was there in the first place. Um, yeah. And I got to thinking, like, how could you fix it? Like, if they had just dropped the daughter plot altogether, because that just seemed like adding on to for no purpose, you know? Like, you already got one problem with one kid. You don't got to have a, <laughs> a daughter who's marrying some ex-baron killer guy, too, you know? Yeah, but then Robin wouldn't have had anything to do. That's true. But if you just had like Bruce noticing that this family friend is gambling and hanging out with degenerates, maybe that could have been a better way for him to get into the story. Could be. Um, 
I don't, like I said, I don't really have a problem with him fixing relationships. Like if it's sort of as a, like a byproduct of a bigger crime, not so much like I'm going to go out of my way to fix this relationship because I'm Batman. That's just a little weird. Yeah, it it kind of feels more like a subject matter that would be something Superman would tackle in this oh, era. Totally. More than Batman. Yeah. Um, I had my notes that Batman or that Superman did have a similar themed story uh, a little bit ago in Action Comics. It, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was kind of the same idea of of parents not. Uh, paying enough t- attention to their kids. Uh, That's a total Superman thing. Like he could just yeah. be walking around and see a kid crying and follow him home and beat up his dad. You know, I mean, that's just. <laughs> and I'm doing it because, and it works for that character because you think like, well, he's all powerful and he's just doing it all for kicks. You know, like, yeah. like it doesn't matter to him one way or the other. Whereas Batman's always been far more crime focused. Yeah, he's not done with the social justice stuff. Right. He's not been the social crusader like Superman was from the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, but really, between this and the crime school for boys, maybe they're kind of heading that way, either yeah. of their own volition or in reaction to, you know, the successful Superman stuff. I, I don't know which. It doesn't really feel like they're responding to that, but I guess we'll see as we go on what kind of stories we get. Like, uh, yeah, I hope it stays a little more crime oriented. Like I said, I, I don't mind if, like, once they got into the blackmail, that's Batman's element, you know? Right. Blackmailers and telling this kid to fess up for his crimes instead of giving in to blackmail. All that was cool. And if he happens to fix your father-son relationship while you're doing it, that's great. But at least you're focusing on blackmailing right? and gambling where I don't want him to just go out of his way to fix some kid's problem with his dad, you know? Eh. Yeah. Uh, but if you got any more comments? Uh, no, I think that's more than enough. All right. Well, if you're interested in reading this, it's been reprinted two times. Uh, the Usual Suspects of Batman Archives Volume 1 and Batman Chronicles Volume 3. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon the mole man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And half mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You Earthlings can't change the way I can. Got me down to those powerful cousins on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the Phantom is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ramatuts, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended this 
Fantastic Four from the very beginning witness the origins of a legend. The Fantastic Cast, ffcast.libsyn.com. And elsewhere in this issue, we have a story called The Rumor, starring Spy, with six pages by Jerry Siegel and Ed Moore, speaking of Superman. Yay. Um, Last episode, I sort of uh, bashed the art in the Spy story. But mm-hmm. this this story actually has a nice opening splash. We see uh, Spy standing there, and then very tiny in the background, and then several guns pointed at him. It's actually kind of a nice design for the splash. The rest yeah. of the art still looks like crap, but <laughs> yeah, it's not that it's bad. It's just not very dynamic, I guess. Yeah, I compared uh, to the Batman stuff, it's just right. Not well, just enough. It's because he doesn't wear a cape, I guess. Um, <laughs> then we got the case of the ardent. Ardent, ardent actress, starring Larry Steele, Private Detective, six pages by Steve Brody and Ken Ernst. The Art Thieves, starring the Crimson Avenger, six pages by Jack Letty. An untitled piece called Speed Saunders Ace, or <laughs> an untitled piece starring Speed Saunders Ace Investigators, six pages by Ed Winiarski, working as Fran Miller. The Imperfect Crime, which was our two-page text piece for the month, or not the month, for this issue. Uh, written by Edgar Wilton and drawn by Fred Ray. Then we have The Collector, starring Steve Malone, District Attorney. Six pages by Don Lynch. An untitled half-page, not funny, funny thing by Hal Sherman. I actually thought one of those was kind of funny this time. Oh, there you go. Their average is getting higher. Um... The Case of the Missing Eye, starring Cliff Crosby. Only, only five pages. Poor Cliff. Oh, poor Cliff. By Chad Grothkoff. And lastly, we end with the very unfunny Slam Bradley in a story called The Grand Palace Department Store, <laughs> which was <laughs> eight whole pages by Jerry Siegel and Howard Sherman. I'm interested to see when they finally make Slam give up his extra pages and give them to Batman. <laughs> Oh, Batman never gets any extra pages. Oh, he's, really? He's, yeah, he stays 13. Wow. What's that about? No one's buying Detective. I don't think they had any features. I don't think DC had any features at this point that were longer than 13 pages. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Well, they could just give him more stories then. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But did did uh, Slam have a cool opening quote for this No, story? no. Man? He doesn't anymore. He's just not been the same since that story where him and Shorty were in bed together. What's up with that? That just really scarred them both for life. and I guess. Now they don't have any fun anymore. Uh, well, we're going to do the uh, other comics that were out in December 1940 next episode because I've talked a lot already. And I didn't have time to put it together anyway. Uh, but Well, that's fine. That yeah. makes more sense anyway to do it as the end of, at the end of the month than the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that case, that means I guess we're done with this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to follow our show, you can do so at BatmanLegends.com, where every episode has cool little show notes and images from the show. Um, you can leave a comment there also for each episode. And you'll also find an RSS feed link, which is kind of important if you want to subscribe. There's a handy-dandy contact form. You can send us a message, and we'll read it on the air, good or bad. Go ahead. 
Uh, there's also an iTunes link. So if you follow that, it'll take you to our podcast on iTunes where you can just click subscribe if you're an iPod user. And while you're there, if you'd be so nice as to leave us a review, that would be cool. Uh, if you like this show, Mike and I do other shows. He has a show called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman where he talks about Golden Age Superman. It's a lot like this show, only that one was first, and it's about Superman, not Batman. And you can find that at greatcrypton.com. He also has another show called Green Lantern's Light, where he talks about, I guess, what is it, 80s Green Lantern? I don't know how to classify that. Uh, Yeah, it's weird, because we started, like, in 1983, Mm -hmm. which is the tail end of the Bronze Age, but because we're doing three months per episode, we have zipped through that, and right now we're in... 1985. So they talk about post-Bronze Age Green Lantern. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They being J. David Weider, Jeffrey Taylor, and, of course, Michael Bradley. And you can find that at GreenLanternsLight.com. And then I talk about the latest and greatest Superman incarnation, Superman in the New 52, called The New 52 Adventures of Superman, also with J. David Weider and with John Wilson. And you can find that at New52Superman.Lipson.com. Next week, we will continue our coverage of all things Batman for December 1940, uh, looking at another Detective Comics issue, this time number 48, in a fun little story called The Secret Cavern. So until then, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. See ya. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and copyright DC Comics.